two, one. Welcome, everybody, to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese, back once again with co-host Matt Page and our host tonight, back from his trip from Hawaii, Brian, the Soul Man Solak. Soul Man, we got a special guest, don't we? We do. His name is Brian Sloan. Welcome to the program, Brian. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And Brian, you were the... You were in management over at the Everett Aquasox, who are starting up this Friday. And we are so glad to have you on the show. We got a lot of questions, and we want to know from you your your story about that. But first, we got, we got some other questions. Before you joined the Aquasox, you're yeah. from Canada. You're one of them, one of them Canadians. You know those <laughs> yeah, people. I, I snuck in. Even worse, <laughs> even worse, you're one of them Quebecois, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I'm here in Seattle area. That's uh, that's one of the reasons <laughs> to subvert to subvert our expectations. What, what, no, one of the few areas you, you're socially accepted, maybe. True, that is true. Ouch, <laughs> ouch, that's mean. I know. I'm sorry. And it, not Friday. They, the the Aqua Sox, for the record, started on Tuesday. I'm sorry. I meant their home game start. The, home game start this following Tuesday. They start Tuesday when, the 11th. <laughs> they start yeah. when I say they start, Matt. <laughs> and for me, they start. Oh, are they allowed to start next Tuesday? Can no, because Tuesday? actually not because Emerson Hancock, one of their hot young pitchers, is pitching tonight. So uh-huh. you may, you guys may see me uh, glancing over every once in a while, looking at that that box score. Fair enough. Right on. Matt, you had some questions about Montreal, didn't you? I did. Did I have questions about Montreal? So you, you uh, I, well, the, well, the question I had connected to your current job that I had, but I was wondering if you had ever made it over to. Uh, um, the, uh, the Villeneuve, uh, circuit there in, uh, in Montreal. Yeah. I've been there a couple of times, the site of Expo 67. Um, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, there's a large amusement park there called La Ronde. Um, yeah, you know, definitely been there several times. And, uh, my dentist actually was, uh, one of his patients was Jacques Villeneuve. And ah. so uh, I got to share some stories with him in the dentist chair when I was a little younger. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. I was a big fan. Yeah, I was a big fan of Jacques. Uh, when, and Jill. And Jill, his dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and Jacques actually has, a, now that I think about it, Jacques actually has a racetrack up in like by Kelowna now, I think. Oh, know. okay. Oh. Um, it's by Kelowna or Kamloops, one of those K, K, K things. <clears throat> can I, can I, yeah, I got to ask I a question. Jacques okay, and Jill, and they were up on the hill. Is that what you said, Matt? Uh, <laughs> not at all. That's not at all what that I said. That is not what you said. Uh, okay, okay. I heard you say on a hill, then I heard you say Jacques. And it's his father. And Jacques. Okay, all right. Never mind. All right. <laughs> anyway. Carry on, Matt. Uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> uh, the connection I, I, make, I make that is, is your current job. You're with Evergreen Speedway. Am I right? Yeah, been there for seven months now. And uh, how's that going with the uh, – you guys have been reopening, haven't you? You've been getting, getting, getting going here now in the new se- season here after COVID? Yeah, we're just entering our seventh week of operation. We started yeah, at the end of uh, March. Um, yeah, things are going well, you know, like like most outdoor venues, uh, just with the reopening of the state of Washington game plan. Uh, so, yeah, we're at 25 percent capacity. And so it's about, you know, 2850 we can have uh, in the grandstands. And, 
yeah, you know, the, the crowds have been definitely coming out. We haven't been advertising too much because we don't want to, we've got to make sure we don't turn people away and get oh. more than that at the grant at the, at the racetrack. What drew you to that job, Brian, Be, you know, being in baseball and doing, doing the bobbleheads and everything else, what drew you to the racetrack? Well, you know, the bobblehead business was very good to me. I really enjoyed working with, uh, about a, over 120 professional sports teams I got to, to work with. And, uh, we'd have anywhere up to myself would have about 80 projects going at once. So it was, it was thriving, but you know, once they close stadiums and you're not selling tickets to fans, uh, there's no need for bobbleheads and promotional products to, to drive, to drive ticket sales. Uh, so, you know, like, like a lot of people out there, I had a pivot and, uh, you know, I know the owners and operators, the operators of the racetrack, Doug and Tracy Hobbs, um, Doug actually was a general manager of um, Speed Alley Chevrolet and Speedway Chevrolet, um, and they were good sponsors of the Aquasox. So that's how I got to know Doug. And then his wife was uh, worked for Intercom Radio in Seattle, so we had some relationships there uh, with some radio stations she represented. So you know, in these times of uh, you know COVID, you know, you kind of. Uh, uh, reach out to people you know, and uh, they needed someone to work in corporate partnerships, and that's what I did for 19 years with the Aquasox. So it just seemed like a natural fit, and I was able to bring on, um, you know, I think I think it's like nine new sponsors to the racetrack uh, in the seven months. So in, you know, in this business environment, I'm quite proud of that. And uh, the racetrack has some great sponsors who have supported the track for many, many years. So they have a good, solid business base. And so I just came in just to kind of add to um, add to the staff and, and uh, you know, work some of my connections in the community. And, uh, yeah, so that's, in, you know, we're just entertainment. You know, it's, a, it's either a baseball field or a racetrack. You're really just creating fun entertainment for the community yeah and i don't know if you can right i mean correct it's been sports management i guess yeah yeah just making sure people have great food to eat and a great seat and some great entertainment and you know that's what we provide at the racetrack just like uh you know the aqua socks provide to the community so very very similar and the silver tips so a lot of similarities yeah i just want to say it's not just entertainment i mean in these times there's precious little to do when you're sitting at home you know, stare, staring at the wall. I mean, it's great to start getting back out there and doing some of these things. You're at the Evergreen Speedway. And so can you tell us a little bit about what type of, what type of events you manage out there? I mean, I assume it's Matt keeps telling me about this, uh, uh, speed you know this race of, cat. <laughs> yeah sorry that's my cat uh matt keeps telling me about these these school buses that race each other and uh, i guess they're on fire or racing. something i don't know figure eight racing yeah it's actually a figures figure eight racing uh uh school bus school buses they do it in the figure eights and i'll tell you it's um i experienced it for the first time a few weeks ago and i've never heard people laugh so loud in my life i mean it's <laughs> people were just on the floor laughing like constantly i mean it's just it's just an odd thing to see and, and the reaction of the crowd was was quite quite amazing so is uh they're just having a great time and you know this week uh, we're racing um you know trucks you know there's uh you know tonka truck out there and some other themed uh trucks that are going to be coming out so to see these huge kind of 18 wheel trucks you know 
uh, race around the course, it's uh, something you don't see every day. So it's uh, this weekend is going to be uh, quite unique. And how does that how does that uh, school bus race work when they get to the intersection at the eight? Do they put out their little stop sign? <laughs> <laughs> or yeah there's kid, there's kids crossing in the middle, so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's even <laughs> better more fun. i'm Pick going <laughs> yeah uh no i noticed uh you, you guys are, are uh posting pretty regularly now on youtube there's some some great videos of action from the past there is there any plans to expand that and and, and keep putting that content up there maybe maybe eventually go live streaming or anything like that well, actually, we have a two-hour show on CW11 uh, every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. Oh, sweet. So um, the last week's uh, race is going to be shown this Sunday mm-hmm. um, on CW11. Um, so it's a great opportunity for us to thank our sponsors and to showcase uh, the racing that we provide. Um, and it's just uh, last year, um, we raced all summer last year, and all the um, races were then shown on CW11. So we never were never on television before last year, okay. and due to COVID, it kind of pushed us into that arena. Uh, the ratings were so impressive that uh, the station actually uh, offered us a three-year agreement wow. to continue cool. having Evergreen Speedway racing on CW11. Right. Uh, and go. it's, uh, you know, like I said, the ratings are great, and they're they're able to sell some uh you know sponsorships and and ad- advertising on the broadcast so it's good for them it's good for us and uh it's really it's really like a two-hour commercial promoting uh the facility what is 60 minutes of fear that's your last <laughs> race of the year right 60 minutes of fear <laughs> Well, you know, I'm going to be honest, you know, I'm seven months into this. I know Brian knows I'm, I could probably answer any baseball question. Okay. uh, (laughs) We'll get to to baseball here shortly. (laughs) I'm going to, I think it's a demolition derby. uh, I love it. But uh, that's good. That, that I'm just taking off the top of my head, but uh, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that and see. I I know it's going to be like, like everything we do. It's always, it's always a great event event and it's a lot of fun. Matt, did you have any more questions? Uh, no, I, I, uh, I'm ready. I think we should uh, move on to baseball here. What we really Wait, want to hear we, about the Aqua Do we? we? We don't want to talk about. Uh, we got an idea for you, Brian. Okay. Right. Tow truck racing. Oh yeah. Tow truck racing. Yes. yes. Solak has been pushing this idea. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like drag racing with tow my guys trucks. would love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is, uh, if you're so slow. You can hook up and tow the other guys behind you. <laughs> well, we do have the push cars that, you know, they're they're instrumental in the, you know, when there's accidents and there's debris and there's thing on the track, they come in and they're just like the grounds crew. They just come in and make everything right so that, uh, you know, there's no issues in the, with the future races. So they're they're very instrumental, the, uh, the push carts. <clears throat> That's right on. I, I know the guys want to talk about Aqua Sox, but I want to, First bring up, you and I have talked about Major League Baseball and them taking over, the, you know, the minor leagues oh. last fall. I mean, what? T- tell the guys what your initial thoughts were when that happened. I mean, I know you have a lot of contacts in the business and it, it, a lot of people lost their jobs. Yeah, 24 years in the business. And, and you know, Brian, I know that you see, see, see my posts on Facebook. I was... Uh, refer to my friends and colleagues in baseball as my, my family. So 
really what I went through in terms of what Major League Baseball did to Minor League Baseball uh, feels like a divorce. Um, it's uh, even though it might be good for development and, and the game maybe down the road, but for the short term, it really hurts. Um, small communities. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of the communities that lost their teams have had those teams for 60, 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that that's where the love of the game really starts. You know, when you have a guy like Felix Hernandez who pitches in Everett when he's 17 years old and you get to be, you know, there's only 16 rows in Everett Memorial Stadium and you get to see him pitch that close at 17, uh, you're going to be a fan of that guy and that team, you know, moving forward. And and that's where it all starts. I, I really feel that... Um, it's a little bit short-sighted for for Major League Baseball to kind of take away those 40 teams, even though a lot of those communities are going to have independent baseball or various forms of professional baseball. Um, I still think that, you know, having drafted uh, future major leaguers come through those towns is somewhere down the road. It's going to, it's going to, there's definitely going to be an effect for sure. There's a couple of those cities like uh, Chattanooga, right? <clears throat> like no, they still have their team. They still kept theirs. Okay. Yeah, Chattanooga kept theirs. They were yeah, but like most of West, uh, like all four teams in West Virginia got shut down. The West know? Virginia Power yeah. got shut down, didn't they? Along with the other three teams. That yeah, are okay, state. that's what I was thinking of. But I mean, it's just yeah. outrageous because they had put some money into their, you know, into their product, and boom, you're out on your backside. I mean, there's you know, it's like the Missoula Paddleheads. Uh, there's it's a local like a family uh from mercer island actually bought into that team a year before uh covid so they invested you know it had to be a couple of million dollars to buy that franchise all of a sudden yeah yeah they lost a year because of covid now they're not affiliated with a major league team so their two million dollar investment is maybe worth now what it's far less. That's yeah. for sure. Being a an couple hundred K if that, yeah. Are they, yeah, are they sure. in the dream league? Remember, or... Yeah. They went, they went through a whole like reband rebranding and everything. They were the Osprey for quite a while. And then, yeah, yeah they changed that. I mean, that, that's, that's a huge blow. It definitely is. Yeah. And then, in then in the Northwest league, now the high West league, uh, high a West league, they're calling it, um, you know, Boise and Salem members of the Northwest league for, for, for many years. And, and they're left with, you know, the Salem has this Maverick League that's going on, which, you know, four teams are playing at Salem Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Boise, they joined uh, an independent league. So uh, that's, they, again, they just had to pivot and do something different with their facilities. And I've been told by the Aqua Sox that we're not allowed to call it the Northwest League anymore because that technically refers to those two teams. So, yeah, they have you have to call it the High A West. You're right. That's oh, okay. It's, they're very careful about that. They, they really have to be. Uh, Matt, you edited my article, right? Uh, I yes. hope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I did not know that. I only, okay, all right. Uh, yeah. Jackson was the other team. Jackson was the former Mariners yes. team I was trying to think of. The Generals, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're done for. And that area had a history of baseball, and that history's gone. Yeah, and Clinton. Wait, Clint, they got the Lumberjacks, too? Yeah, the yep. Lumberjacks got yep. folded, too. Oh, jeez. Or at least kicked out. They might, they might have landed somewhere else with some other you know independent league, but... Yeah. 
Um, they're definitely not official anymore. Brian, you were with the Erie Seawolves, right? Yeah, I was there, um, in 1995, um, just moved into a brand new stadium and, uh, yep. Just was there for one season, but it was, uh, it was a good season. Very memorable. But I mean, those are the types of towns where the whole community kind of rallies around this event in the summer, right? Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, you know, these guys that host families and, you know, there's there's just a lot of deep connections uh, that are formed. You know, the players, you know, just like in Everett uh, with when, you know, a lot of players are coming in their first year, uh, you know, these families adopt these kids and they and they really kind of they give them cars to drive and get them to and from the ballpark and make them meals after the games. Um, yeah, I mean, that's those communities really can't replace that, those experiences, you know? Um, so it's, it's sad. Like I said, it's, it's like a divorce is how I kind of put it. <clears throat> and then you moved on to the Aqua Sox. I mean, why, what brought you across the country? You just wanted the change or. Well, again, baseball is a family and it's kind of a big fraternity is the, the way it is. Uh, it's funny when I first, how I got into baseball is, uh, I love the Expos. Uh, I, I went to like 40 Expos games a year, spent my childhood. Uh, well, my parents would take me to Jerry Park and then, you know, Olympic Stadium after that. Uh, but as a teenager, you know, I would just, you know, ride the public transit to get to the stadiums and see the games. Um, and I really, the love of the Expos is what brought me into, wanted to work in professional sports. Um and so I went to the, I asked David Dombrowski, I reached out to him when he was the GM of the Expos and I asked him, I go, how did you get into baseball? You know, how do you, how do you get your start? And Dave Dombrowski said, you know, I went to the baseball winter meetings and I just shook hands and met as many people as I could. Um, and that's how he got his start. And so I took his advice. I went to Los Angeles at the baseball winter meetings in 1990 um, there's like a job search program there. So like teams are looking for people to come on as entry level employees. Being a Canadian, I, I can only at the time I didn't have any status in the United States. So my game plan was to look for a Canadian team that was owned by an American company. And so I found a handful of teams that kind of fit that bill. And uh, I was able to land my first job with the Welland Pirates. Um, owned by a gentleman uh, out of California and uh, worked there for four years. And then when we moved the team to Erie, I was kind of like an employee transfer. And I was able to kind of get my foot into the door into the United States, being uh, a, a member of that company for the past four years. Uh, but to answer your question is like, so when I was uh, at in Los Angeles at the baseball winter meetings, I was standing in line with this other gentleman who was looking for a job. We're in our suits. We have our briefcases. And uh, waiting to, to drop off our resumes and say a couple of words to a prospective team that we were trying to get some attention to. And we just remained friends. His name Rob Stanton. And uh, he actually landed a job with the Tacoma Rainiers, spent the season there, and then uh, moved to the Everett Giants. Well, Rob and I, when I was looking to kind of break off from the ownership that uh, brought me to Erie, I just called my friends and I just said, hey, be, you got any openings, anything down the road? Just kind of let them know I'm looking. So 
just reached out to my baseball family and, and Rob said, Hey, you know, our GM is leaving. We need someone who uh, can sell corporate partnerships, but also we're refurbishing Everett Memorial stadium. So we need someone who has experience marketing a new facility. And I just had that experience in Erie. We went from an old ballpark to a brand new 6,000 seat stadium that had luxury suites and uh, they built the stadium to be double a baseball. So I had that experience under my belt, kind of being involved in the construction process of that. So with my sales experience and then, you know, the stadium planning and marketing of a new facility, uh, that's what they were interested in speaking to me. They flew me out to Seattle for a weekend. They said, hey, Brian, we know you you can do the job. We just want to make sure you get along with the rest of us. So we played golf. We had a poker game. We, uh, they showed me the space needle. They took me to, you know, Pike place and, uh, you know, all the hot spots in Seattle that we went to the Mariners front office. They introduced me to, uh, the GM and, and some of the other, uh, uh, personnel over there. And then when Bob Bavese at the time, the owner, he was driving me back to the airport. He said, Hey, Brian, you know, we'd love you, love to come, you know, to join the, to join the Aqua Sox, uh, you know, this is what we can pay you. And what do you think? And I said, let me pack my stuff up. And I packed everything in my car. I said, I'll be here in two weeks. So oh, wow, uh, <laughs> that's how it all started. <laughs> that's awesome. Great story. Um, when did you become general manager? I mean, how long did it take to, until you got that position offered to you? Well, Bob and Margaret, uh, with ownership, with boots on the ground, you know, they're, they're you know, the buck stopped with them. You know, they didn't really need a general manager, per se. And then when they sold the team to Mark Sperandio, again, uh, another uh, young gentleman who did a great job for the city of Everett. Um, again, ownership's boots on the ground, the buck stops with him. Uh, but when they sold the team to a family, the Carfania family out of Cleveland, Ohio, uh, they needed someone who was going to step into that role and be kind of the face of the team that was, you know, that knows the community, uh, understands the business and can carry the torch uh, in the community on their behalf. So um, that's when I became GM um, for six seasons. And then when the ownership changed again to the most recent ownership, they brought in someone uh, above me. You know, they like to bring in their own people people they feel comfortable with. So I had a kind of transition. So uh, they just had me focus on corporate partnerships and work with some local charities and things like that, that I had already uh, relationships with. Um, so yeah, you know, over four different ownerships, different roles, uh, different styles. Um, but yeah, no, all very memorable and very appreciative. It was a great time in my life. Uh, before we ask you the next question, I've always wanted to tell you this. Um, Thank you for the job that you did over the years. I mean, you were always generous with your time. You're always out there with the fans talking to us. And I don't know if you remember or not, but I think it was like 2006 or 2007, I emailed you and I wanted to ask you how you got your job. And you invited me actually to come, you know, you told me to contact you down the road and you would invite me in to discuss how you got your job. And unfortunately I failed to follow through with that. And I regret that, <laughs> but yeah. I, I just re respect you and I, I appreciate what a generous guy you are to, to me and to the community. So thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome, Brian. And uh, I, my motto is without uh, a strong community, 
you can't have a strong baseball team. So it all starts with open door policy. Anyone who calls, I always took every single phone call. If someone wanted to sit down and talk to me about, you know, how do you get in? Because that's what Dave Dombrowski did for me. What mm-hmm. What is Dave Dombrowski? Does he need to return my phone calls and talk to me? He doesn't need to do that. Yeah. But it's funny the, <laughs> to show you how much I took that to heart is that one time I called him, left a message. I wasn't home. I actually went to my grandmother's house down the street. He called my house. I missed the phone call, but my mom or I think whoever answered the phone said, oh, he's at his grandmother's house. Oh, give me the number. I'll call him over there. So I pick, I pick up the phone. He's like, hey, this is Dave Dombrowski. I'm like, I'm at my grandmother's house. <laughs> I'm like, why is he calling me here? But I mean, that's the kind of guy he is, you know, uh, just very humble. I stayed in touch with him uh, when he won the World Series with the Marlins. I sent him a nice a note and he, he, he wrote back a note, you know, before emails. Um, you know, he wrote me a letter back on, on Marlin stationery. So, you know, those kind of things, um, I didn't forget where you start and, uh, I might, I'll always take the time to talk to anybody about how to get into sports or make introductions. Uh, you know, people that you help get in the door might help you down the road and actually hire you down the road. So, uh, I'm a firm believer of that. And, you know, that's how come I'm at Evergreen Speedway, just a great relationship with Doug and Tracy Hobbs. And, you know, they they open they welcome me with open arms at the racetrack. And that's so, um, and that's not how I had that story in my head. I'm glad you, you know, qualified it and got got the facts out there, Brian, because in my head, Solak was in the stands yelling at the team <laughs> and probably calling you specifically out. I could do a better job. And then you, you were like, all right, come on down here. You manage, you be general manager. And soul man didn't show up. That's the way I had it in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moving on. Can you tell us two or three great moments you had with the Aquasocks over the years? Um, my favorite one was, um, um was uh we we had uh, i was working with a gentleman to um uh we i helped raise awareness and funds and equipment to send to um kids in um vietnam uh to play baseball and uh he the gentleman i worked with uh he went over there twice before, like, you know, so he went over there and put on a couple of camps. He brought the equipment. I was kind of like helping him on the side just to kind of, again, we did some baseball equipment drives at the Aqua Sox and um, were able to contribute some stuff with the Mariners. Uh, anyway, a few years after that, uh, a team from Vietnam actually traveled to the Seattle area. Oh, wow. Um and actually these kids and so what we were trying to do is form friendships uh through the game of baseball so that the world becomes a closer better place to live uh just you know um kids learning other kids cultures is really the basis of it and just using baseball as a platform well these kids came here from vietnam uh they went to a mariners game and they came to an aqua Sox game they came out to union solidarity night the gentleman who uh, sings the anthem every year for that event uh, was in Vietnam um, as a soldier representing the United States. And uh, 
when he he said to me, he said, hey, Brian, who, who, where are those kids from? I said, well, you know, they're from Vietnam. They're just here with the baseball exchange program. And he's like, he's like, you know what? When I was stationed, when I was in Vietnam and went through what I saw, I never thought in my wildest dreams that these kids, you know, kids from Vietnam would be on U.S. soil um, enjoying a baseball game. Um, and he had like kind of a tear in his eye. You know, he was just it was he it really choked him up. He was really happy that kind of you know it's come full circle that you know we can come together the you know so when he's saying the anthem i've heard him sing the anthem he's very good he's very good um but he's saying it with such heart and conviction and emotion i've never heard an anthem sing with so much emotion and i knew where that came from uh, it just kind of really hit him hit home with him a lot of people in the ballpark didn't know those kids were there um but that was a special moment because it's just this is the why I got into professional sports is for moments like that where, you know, your friendships are being made. The world's coming closer uh, through the game of baseball. Um, so that's one thing that stood out. Um, obviously, Randy Johnson doing a rehab assignment in Everett. That was my oh, first yeah. year in Everett, 1996. So Bob Bavese says to me, he says, hey, Brian. Hey, when Randy gets here, make sure he has everything he needs. But I needed him to sign a baseball hat and a baseball. So when he first gets here, if you can ask him to do those two things, just sign those two items, that'd be awesome. So, you know, I'm kind of like waiting uh, for him to come. It's like two o'clock. It's just nobody in the clubhouse. Um, he, he, he rolls in in a big black SUV and I say, hey, Mr. Johnson, you know, like I'm 5'10". I look up to this guy, 6'11". And so I look feel like a little kid. I'm like, hey, you know, Mr. Johnson, you know, I'm Brian Sloan. Uh, I'm in the front office. Um, you know, welcome. If there's anything you need here, let us know. Uh, you know, we're here for you. And then, you know, the owner of the team just asked me uh, a small favor. If you can sign these two items, we want to do something special on the field where some fans can win an autographed baseball hat or ball. And uh, he... He was there. He had some back issues. That's why he was there. And he just he, he basically told me for the next three minutes why he wasn't going to sign those two items. <laughs> he could have signed 60 items in that time that he told me why he wasn't going to sign it. Oh, so um, I gave so the, I went to Spider Webb, our trainer, who's just a, a, a super nice guy. I said, hey, Spider, I mean, I can't let Bob down. And he asked me to do one thing to get two things signed. And I can't do it. He said, hey, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So Randy actually signed a bunch of stuff for all the players. And so he just threw the hat and the baseball in the mix. So, he's, <laughs> so he got it signed. But the, the coolest thing for that night is that, so again, I had to be with Randy Johnson until he got onto the field. I was with a trainer and a police officer. And we were at the top of the clubhouse. And Brian, you're familiar with the facility. So from the clubhouse, walking down the steps to where you have to like cross over um, the walkway to get onto the field, mm. it's very rare in any baseball stadium you probably go to in the country where the actual players have to walk across the walkway that, where the fans are to get onto the field. Usually it's a dugout and there's tunnels and a clubhouse underneath. So... So me, the trainer, the police officer, and Randy Johnson are at the top of the stairs. He's about to walk down the stairs. I don't know. This, I mean, we had 4,000 people in a 2,200-seat stadium that night. <laughs> mm, the fire and, marshal. Nobody told the fire so marshal, the, did they? The mass of people that were standing there, 
when we were top of the stairs, they were all chanting, Randy, Randy, you know. And so this was pretty funny. He's he's like, because Randy Johnson never gets the experiences at the kingdom, right? Yeah. So he says, this is the coolest thing. You say, I'm the lead singer and you guys are my band. <laughs> That's awesome. So I thought, I thought that was pretty cool moment. And uh, being, being a hockey guy, um, Wayne Gretzky's uh, son uh, played uh, against the Aqua Sox when he's a member of the Boise Hawks. So getting a picture with him and my son, uh, just to be that close to the great one, even though he wasn't in attendance, his son was there and he was very gracious and was able to spend a little time talking um some hockey and about his dad and again we got to take some pictures and and every time the famous chicken came to Everett it was always a special night i just think that's <laughs> the best entertainment money can buy to see uh you know a guy in a chicken outfit who's the, <laughs> i think the best that there ever was and, and ever will be so well, what, what those are, are some of the stories <laughs> what what are your recollections uh back in 2010 when jose moreno two-time uh, two-time Aqua Sox uh, manager um, led us to a champion. Well, not a championship, but a, a regular season championship. That team was not loaded with stars. Do you have any recollections about that particular team? Uh, you know, it's just one of those teams where, you know, you don't have the most talent, but, you know, the chemistry was there. You know, it's just you had the right pieces. You know, we had, you know, we had a closer. Will, um, Williamson, right? You know. What's that? Is, is that Willie? Tom, Tom Williamson? Well, Wilhelmson, was he? I don't think he was the closer then. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It was Willie, uh, what's his last name? Uh, anyway, it's not a lot of guys made it to the major leagues from that roster, but it's just, you know, it's just the chemistry was there. You know, it was the first year we expanded the playoffs. Um, that was another memorable uh, part of being a, of the Northwest League is I helped initiate that uh, those uh, changing those bylaws in the league so okay. that we expand the playoffs and did a split season. I just felt, oh, nice. you know, if halfway during the season and you're 20 games back. I mean, where's the fun for the fans to come out and yeah. to feel like so they kind of play a split season. I kind of brought that to the league and put it on the table for vote. The first year it got shot down. I didn't back down. I, I said, hey, listen, <laughs> other leagues are doing this. Even though we're short season, I think it's a good thing for the league and expand the playoffs and um, give guys a second chance. And I think it's. Yeah, it, it's I'm glad you did. Well. I'm glad you did that. That's amazing. And I think Willie Kessler is that is that who you're Kessler? Thinking? That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great guy. <laughs> and uh, uh, please do tell us about him. I just wanted to say, like, uh, there's been there's been a couple times where the three of us, uh, Soul Man, Matt, and I, you know, we're sitting there halfway through the season, like. Uh, Oh my God. What do we got to talk about? Oh, well the first <laughs> half of the season's done. Okay. That means clean slate. Start over. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, so, you know, so that was the first year we did that and we won the championship and then everyone in the league's pointing at me going, yeah, figures, you know, Sloan comes up with this and then Everett wins the championship. Well, <laughs> To show you how, even nice. though there was only eight teams in the league, you know, I spent 19 years in the league and only one championship. So uh, you would think that I have a few more rings uh, in my collection. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at that roster right now. I'm not. I'm not seeing many names. I know. No. Guys. <laughs> you know. Stephen Pryor. I remember him. He was a good pitcher. I think he made it briefly to the big leagues. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 And obviously <laughs> Wilhelmson. But other than that. 
yeah, that, that roster, you know, that's great. They they did that. They did that well. Sometimes they just, you know, it's the chemistry thing, right? But it's like if you go back and I mean, I always call, fall back on the two thousand one Mariners. You know, they may not have had the most talented roster on the on in the majors that year, but for some reason they just clicked. You know, everything just everyone yeah. helped out everyone else's imperfections. They all balanced out, and it all just worked. You bet. You know? And it's and Brian, it's worth noting that. Uh, t- that 2010 through, I think it was 14 when you left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing but wins. I mean, you yeah. guys were in the playoffs pretty yeah. much all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Prior to yeah. your prior to your engagement there, or into uh, <laughs> to your GM ship, uh, a lot of DNQs I'm seeing here. <laughs> Did not qualify. <qualifies>. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know we made the playoffs uh, where we. Uh, one year when we, we lost at home and we drove overnight to Boise to play the next day. Uh, and then we lost there. I think it was best. I think it was just best two out of three at that point. So it's like uh, we, we got on a bus at midnight, drove 12 hours to Boise, got there. Guys went to sleep for a few hours, got on the field, uh, lost that second game, and then they were back on the bus <laughs> that next wow. evening. So it's like 24 hours of driving and two two losses, and that that was the end of that. Oh man! Oh wow! <clears throat> what is your? Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Pat Dillon. I mean, we we got to interview him. I mean, what a great guy! I mean, Pat Dillon, of course, still- being Pat Dillon, of course, being the announcer for. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the Aqua Sox. For those who don't know, yes. Yeah, Pat and I are just great friends. Uh, you know, he I met him when I was uh, first year with the um, Aqu- uh, the Aqua Sox, and he was the uh, play-by-play guy for the Bellingham uh, franchise, the Mariners, the Baby M's. Uh, or, or no, no, he was yeah. They, they were they were the um, yeah they were at the Giants then. That's right, Bellingham Giants, and uh, after the affiliation change, so he, he uh, we're just. You know, we just got talking and uh, we kind of hit it off uh, in terms of, um, you know, just our passion for the game of baseball. And I introduced Pat to Bob Vesey and uh, said, hey, you know, this I think this guy is pretty knowledgeable and uh, would be, uh, you know, he sounds like Vin Scully and uh, <laughs> it just has a wealth of baseball knowledge for sure. Um, and so, yeah, you know, soon after I met him and introduced him to Bob and then, you know, we wanted to kick off uh 1998 when we opened uh, the new refurbished uh, Everett Memorial Stadium and uh yeah we needed to have a first class uh, radio uh, broadcaster and uh, that's when Pat joined the the the, the front office and he he's, he says he's going to retire soon but I think he's going to work as long as Vince Scully did in the game do, I mean do you think <laughs> <laughs> what do you think <laughs> I don't think he's going to last that long <laughs> okay well, I he, think uh, yeah no he but definitely he, uh, immediately brings up Scully when when in terms of talking about his uh, his influences definitely so it's kind oh of yeah brought that up too yeah. yeah no it's he 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 definitely uses a, a lot of phraseology that Vince Scully uses and uh no, I think he sounds a lot like him when he when he gets into the game for sure. Right on. Did you ever get to meet anybody like Dave Niehaus or Rick Riz or anybody like that over from the Mariners? Uh Rick Riz, I met him at a charity bowling event. Um okay. uh, Dave Henderson was there, Hendu. Uh, okay. you know, just 
you meet some Mariners, uh, you know, down the road at dif- different, uh, you know, charitable events and, uh, you know, the, the caravans that they put on uh, before every season. Uh, being affiliated of the Mariners, they usually invite us down to uh, the stadium to take part in their media day and uh, meet some folks. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, um, again, going you know, both with uh, working in minor league baseball and then also with the promotions business with the bobbleheads, I was fortunate to go to the baseball winter meetings almost every year. And uh, hopefully they're not going to change the, con- the, the, the way they run the meetings because it was very much an open kind of uh, event. It's not really closed like most sports when they have their annual meetings. So, I mean, you can just go to the hotel where it's being hosted and walk the, you know, the hallways of the hotel and, you know, I've run into Tony Perez and, you, you know, you, you would see like Tommy Lasorda walking through the trade show floor. Um, you know, so you have all these iconic baseball personalities just walking by you and you're like, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm not going to be like, Hey, how's it going? Can I get your autograph? You know, it just, <laughs> it's just cool to see them and, you know, not really bother them. And just, just knowing that you're in the presence of them is was always sat- more satisfying for me anyway but just just to just to be go to those events were just extremely memorable and um yeah no if have you guys ever been to baseball wonder meetings at all no someday, someday. <laughs> one of these days be nice <laughs> yeah if you get a chance definitely go yeah highly recommend it right on right on uh what do you think of the like I know Matt's, I think Matt's a fan of the, not getting rid of the DH in the National League, but what do you think, what do you think of all the rule changes, like the, you know, having the guy on second base and the extra innings and possible getting rid of the DH down the road? I mean, do you like what Major League Baseball's doing? Go from there, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, being a National League guy from uh, Expos fan, I I really miss old school baseball. Uh, you know, I I'm not a big fan of the DH. I never have been. Uh, not a big fan of any kind of uh, you know putting on the uh, what do they call it when they when the when they put the runner guys on in, second. You know, no, no. When they're putting them in different fielding positions, what do you call that the again? Shift? The shift. Not a big fan of that. I mean, that all comes from sabermetrics and no analytics. Yeah, I, I know that, yeah. You know where it's coming from? <laughs> yes, I, I do. Mean, and those like people are horrible. Did, they did the shift on Ted Williams back in the day. I mean, it's always been a part of baseball. It's never been used as much. Yeah, but he hit four hundred. Right. It didn't. On. He hit four hundred. It didn't work. Yeah, well, no, it didn't work. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like they they did try it back in the day. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's but go with this. Used to excess. No, no, no. Let's go with this narrative careers. about sabermetricians being nerds who live in their mother's basement and can't leave well enough alone. <laughs> no, I like no, where well, this guy's I'm coming curious, from. I'm uh, curious of your feelings regarding the shift. I saw an article about oh, well, a week ago or whatever. Jay Bruce uh, recently retired in baseball. Yeah. And there was an article, I think it was Sports Illustrated, that uh, postulated that the shift had killed his career. And I'm wondering what you're thinking about that, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely there's there's reason for them, for, for, for teams to play that kind of defense. And yeah, it could definitely affect a, a, if, if the – if the player cannot adjust and hit the other way uh, or change his stance or his approach, 
it's yeah, it's going to be very detrimental to his stats. Uh, but I think that's part of you know going against that uh, shift is kind of making adjustments on your own so that you can you know hit the ball the other way. I mean, choking up on your bat. I mean, you just don't see that stuff anymore, and that's what I kind of miss. You know, when Mariners get first and second, nobody out. Uh, me, if I was a manager. Okay, I'd be bunting. I know that's old school, but you <laughs> yeah. know, yes. second and yes. third with one out is not a bad situation. That's what that's what Joey Gallo started doing when they they used the shift to heavily on him. He just bunted down the third baseline and walked to first. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see why more players aren't adjusting and doing that because then it'll be frustrating and they're going to have to counter that. Yeah, so, but I think a manager today, it's. I call baseball to me right now is a little bit of a glorified home run derby. It's either guys are striking out against power pitching or is a home run. Yeah. Very little is happening in between those two outcomes. Yeah. <clears throat> no, you're I, right. It's, be, it's becoming, sorry, go a, ahead, I was going to say, you know, you're right. It's become a, a three, three out outcome. three outcome game. Um, question for you, because you are a Montreal Expos fans and um, 94. Oh, do man. they win it oh, all? You, you had to bring that up. I was going to ask that. <laughs> I think they do. I, I'm gonna, I, I, when you look at all the Hall of Famers on that team, I, I, I think they up. do win it yeah. all. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, nothing's ever uh, no doubt. But you have five game lead over the Braves uh, going into that strike uh, season, and uh, yeah, they were just. Uh, you know, dominating and, uh, you know, don't bring up 81 either, please. Uh, while you're at it. <laughs> uh, Monday. I don't need to see the Rick Monday highlight ever again. I can't, I can't say I remember that, but I do remember, um, the, the 94 was big because that was Pedro Martinez and, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Wetland, the closer and, uh, you know, he just a all-star lineup through and through Larry Walker, those guys. Yeah. 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 No, that's, it hurts. There's no question about it. And then, you know, the team wanted to save money and they got rid of everybody the next year. And that was the demise of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Half the team to the, to the Indians. The Indians were really good for a while. Yeah, they were. Okay. Oh, hey, I looked it I up. Do, Fu- future, future Mariners, Jeff Facero and Gil Heredia. We're oh, on wow. that team. Oh. <laughs> Juggernauts. <laughs> you, know, you know what Gil Heredia's claim to fame is? What? Oh yeah, I know. There, there's a little plaque on the outside of Everett Memorial Stadium that has yeah. his name on it. Did he give up the home run to Griffey? He, he was the <laughs> one who threw the ball that Griffey hit out of the park. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> That's his claim to fame. <laughs> um, before we get near, we're getting near the end of the show, but I know you're a huge hockey fan. I mean, I'm assuming you're a Montreal fan. Is that your favorite team? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, growing up in the, uh, you know, the uh, early 70s when the Canadians would, uh, you know, win Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup, it's hard not to uh, be a fan of the of the franchise for sure. And the rich history, um, you know, growing up in Montreal uh, after school, I never played organized hockey. I would just uh, throw on the skates after school and we just play for fun after school on the on the ice. Uh, and then, you know, we had lights, uh, all the baseball fields turn into hockey rinks outside. And so the municipalities, you know, they'd put up lights. There was no lights up for the uh, baseball 
during the summer, ironically, but they put the lights up for the hockey rinks in the winter. Uh, and then the lights would stay on until 10 p.m. and you basically freeze yourself, um, uh, you know, uh, playing. And, and, and that's how I kind of grew up and, you know, watching the Canadians every Saturday night to hockey night in Canada. It's just a, a longstanding tradition and playing as a kid. And um, I did my internship when I did my sports management degree uh, with the NHL. So that was a, a very memorable experience uh, working in their PR department for four months. And uh, again, that was before computers. I would uh, I'd have to call every single team um, by phone and ask them it, what their transactions and the injury reports were. And they only came out every Thursday in the paper. So they only came out once a week. This is in 1990. Oh. Um, and so I'd call them all up, the PR departments, they'd tell me all, I'd compile it all, and then I'd fax them out to all the, the media outlets <laughs> every uh, Wednesday evening so they can put them in the paper on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, you know, to be able to work at the head office, it was in Montreal at the time. Obviously, now it's in New York. Um, but, yeah, you know, base, uh, hockey has been really special to me. And it's funny, uh, when I worked at the NHL, I just – was very open and honest and told them I, I, I want to work in baseball. And um, I know everyone there was, I still keep in touch with a lot of folks there and they were always rooting me on to, to, you know, kind of get my dream job. And I was able to do that. So it was, uh, most people think I'd want to work in hockey, but baseball is, it's a, it, you know, baseball just has that special feeling, you know, it's yeah. always equated to, if you think about it, it's the only sport you can actually sit down next to somebody and have a conversation during the game. Yeah, there's not one other sport where you can actually do that unless there's a timeout or 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 halftime or or you know, uh, in between periods. You just, it's just that, you know, tempo of the game uh, that allows for relationships and families to come together and business to take place, and it's just a special game that way. The uh, question, a, 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 oh, real quick. Yeah, I was going to ask about. Uh, you go ahead first, man. I'll. I'll, I, I'll say, I just want to say, you know, I, in my mind, because I saw earlier today the highlight for hockey. So, and I'm not not big on. I'm not the greatest knowledge base on when it comes to hockey. But I, I saw a replay of, uh, of the Rangers game and all the fights or whatever that started the game. Um, as a Canadian, I want to know your perspective. Fighting, is it a necessary part of hockey? Should it be out a band? Is it, is it part of it? Is it not part of it? You know, what, what do you think? I think at the level it is at today, I think it should be a part of it because there's so many nasty things that happen if there is no fighting and uh, the stick work and slashing and high sticks. And if there was no fighting to kind of break that, um, off the steam yeah uh there, there's a place for it not like in the 70s and 80s where it was like part of like the entertainment package and you had enforcers specifically on the team that couldn't skate but they were there to fight that's gone away but i think it's you know what happened the other night uh in new york um you know a star player got injured um the team didn't take uh weren't accepting of the, there was no penalty in terms of the uh, player safety department in terms of there was no suspension or any kind of uh, repercussions of the player 
that Tom Wilson. Um, so the players then say, okay, fine, we're going to take matters into our own hands. And they got 100 penalty minutes in the first period, and then they went on and played the game after that. But, you know, it just had to take place for them to put it behind them. And uh, I think for that, it definitely is a place in the game. But uh, not having it would be – I think there would be a lot of horrific injuries and, and dirty play if there wasn't fighting. It's almost like you're talking kind of tangentially about the Astros and how there was no punishment. <laughs> and Abraham is firmly against uh, the, you know, the, the fact that, you know, players are going to be players and pitchers are going to be pitchers. Yeah, no, let's talk about that because in <laughs> the scenario where it's hockey, it's mano a mano. Both of you have two fists. That's when true. you have a freaking 100 mile an hour fastball thrown <laughs> your head, yeah, you don't get a fight back. So. That's not a cogent paradigm, Matthew Page. Or let me explain that to you. It's not a good example. <laughs> now, that's the good old hockey game. It's the best game you can name. I understand that. I got a question for Brian about bringing back the Expos. There's been talk about oh, yeah. the Tampa Rays maybe migrating back up north. Yeah, what would you I, think I mean, about- they need someone to invest in a stadium. I think that's a big part of it. Um Again, the tax situation for players to play, that are playing there, I think that's one of the reasons why the Canadians have a hard time attracting top free agents. Yeah, it's a tough market to play in. Um, but, you know, when you get taxed uh, on the income there that you're earning, it's uh, substantially more than you would be playing in the United States. Um, and there's a lot of hurdles. Um, it's definitely a major league market. There's three million people that live there. They're hungry for baseball. If there's an organization that's run properly and they have the players to be competitive, uh, they'll they'll sell out every game. I mean, they they prove that everyone talks about, you know, when Major League Baseball took it over and there was like they basically got rid of all the talent, played a hand, you know, played what, 20 games in Puerto Rico. No games were on the radio. Um, They were games on the Internet before really anyone knew about the Internet, just so you know. Uh, but, uh, they basically mistreated that market and they just ran it into the ground cause they wanted to do it. Jeff, um, Jeff Laurier, right? Jeff Laurier, you know, the owner of the, the Red Sox, uh, John Henry, uh, Bud Selig and, um, they brought in those were, those were the culprits. I mean, it was the biggest slime bag would never happen to a U.S. city ever. That's um, yeah. Especially that Red Sox owner slime. Gross, uh, gross people. It's almost like it was a po- it was a poker game and someone lost, and yeah. uh, that was the repercussions. Well, they tried to do that with the Mariners. I mean, there was there was an just an attempt to field a bad team, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think Bud Selig just hates Seattle after stealing us the the, uh, pilots. the pilots. Yeah, he wanted to he wanted to repeat. Yeah, it's very similar to when the Seahawks threatened to leave Seattle too. Oh, they didn't yeah, threaten. True. They they had the 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 buses were or not the buses the trucks were full <laughs> moving trucks, yeah. <laughs> yeah and they were yeah. heading out of town um i mean that's uh, we we were on with the um with the soccer team uh, fan group in england or mm-hmm. wales i'm sorry and we were talking about we were talking about how the vancouver grizzlies you know picked up and left and the now the temp tennessee i don't know what they're called now uh but they're about to move, and that is an unfathomable uh, occurrence in England, in UK. Teams don't just leave their communities. I mean, it, it just isn't done. I mean, they go out of business, but they don't 
you, you don't move them. That belongs to the community, not to, yeah, not, not to an owner. <clears throat> yeah. Sad situation in, when that happens, for sure. <clears throat> they're, they're not viewed as transferable, you know, commodity units. They're, they're commodity. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I do have to ask. I'm sorry. I got to go back to hockey real quick. You're talking about <laughs> fighting. Have have you gotten any fights? If you care to share, Ryan, I know you played <laughs> with with fight, other general with other general managers of other baseball yeah, teams <laughs> on the ice. So <laughs> I play very recreational hockey. We all need to go to work the next day, and we all need to have a couple of beers after the game. So uh, it's uh, yeah, you know, every now and then there's some incidental contact, but it's about as far as it goes. It was a beer league. All right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a beer league. Uh, yeah, everyone's has, has a hockey problem. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, and then your kid, your your kids are involved in hockey too. You think like your? Do they want to continue playing on after high school, or just curious? Uh, yeah, you know, my kids love hockey. They love the game. Uh, my son and I actually, for the first time, are playing on my beer league team called the Fossils. Uh, had to give them a plug. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, you know, actually we played four games together and my son's second in scoring, uh, four games, he got six points and I got two points. Uh, but you know, I assisted, uh, on a couple of his goals, um, and yeah, it's just kind of really cool to be playing with your son and he's the fastest skater on our team. And um, yeah, we're just a bunch of old guys, right? Fossils. You're not going <laughs> to expect much from those guys. Uh, so yeah, it's just really a special time right now. So uh, before he heads off to college next year. And so we're, we're enjoying this spring and, and summer. Uh, you know, we're going to play on the same team. So uh, it's definitely been very much a family affair and a lot of road trips and uh, travel trips with hockey with both my kids. And uh, yeah, it's gone way too fast. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're managing the ever, uh, the races down at the, uh, in Monroe. Um, <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's next for you? Just uh, because you said you just started there, right? Yeah, I just started in November and uh, yeah, it's the first year that, uh, you know, first season I'm, I'm working there. So I'm, Every day I'm learning something new. And uh, like I said, just uh, making sure the fans have a great time. And uh, we put on a good show. Every every single weekend we have different racing. So it's never the same two weeks in a row. So it's uh, very family entertainment, affordable, and a safe uh, safe environment. That's what, we prom- that's what we promote. So are you doing uh, distancing in the uh, stands right now? Yeah, we can only have, uh, yeah, 2850. Uh, we can fit as many as 10,000 people in there. So we have every, all the seats are marked off six feet apart. Um, all our concession lines and, and are all, you know, spaced out six feet apart. People are, you know, wearing masks. And, uh, so yeah, you know, we just got to follow the rules and, uh, you know, get through this as a community together. Hopefully by the end of the summer, maybe we can, you can have a lot more people there, you know, as more people get vaccinated. Yeah. Hope so. Keep your fingers crossed. We're open the same for the Aqua Sox <laughs> games too. Let me tell you. Yeah, uh, for sure. I can't wait to go to, to some games. Yeah. Next Tuesday. Do you got some yeah. amazing promotions at the Speedway? Wanna, 
singing because you're, 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 you're the guy you're you're the guy who created the uh karma wednesdays at the ox stops right yeah 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 i mean so you know and as i remember that's still kind of going uh even to this day um yeah yeah so i'm sure you got some good ideas for the speedway coming up yeah, you know, that's the challenging thing right now. You can't really market and promote too much because what if 4,000 people want to come in and you got to turn away uh, 1,200 uh, people because of our capacity restrictions? Uh, so uh, we can't really go and do, hey, let's do a bobblehead <laughs> giveaway or let's do something really cool. It's almost like, okay, we're open. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we hopefully just we just, just the right amount of people come. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's kind of where we're at. So it's... Um, well, if you ever need yeah. a, if you ever need a sellout, um, you should offer a Matt, Matt page races, a school bus night <laughs> and, Oh, I'm going to get out there on the track and, and run against them. Is that what's happening? Mm -hmm. Okay. A celebrity <laughs> driver for sure. <laughs> there you go. Celebrity drivers. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I watched the clip on, on YouTube of the, I think it was the April 11th or something like that. April uh -huh. 10th, oh, the drifting. That. Oh, the, no, I, well, the, the school bus race. And oh, the school they, bus. Yeah, they maybe hit like fifteen to twenty miles. They're making. They're hard. The guys are cranking the wheel all the way to the right, then all the way to the left, then all the way to the right. <laughs> I think one bus had a tire underneath it, huh? Oh yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He had he, for most of the race. He was just dragging this tire. <laughs> People were just dying laughing at just at that. I'm like, oh my god, like a tire under a bus is creating that much entertainment. Wow. I think we've really starved for entertainment the last year. Oh yeah, no I live entertainment <laughs> at this point. Everyone's just happy to be out there in the world, yeah. experiencing. No things. question about it. Are all the racers local, or do, do you get guys come from across the country to race there? You know, we we probably have like fifteen hundred different racers come through oh. the doors every year. Uh, that's unlike the other professional sports in the Puget Sound area. It's really kind of grassroots. Uh, the people that live here race there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have a large contingent of racers that come from Canada, which they obviously can't do that currently. Uh, but, yeah, it's pretty much, you know, I think, uh, you know, we've had guys come as far away as Colorado where they are just coming here for the weekend to race. Uh, we're pretty much the only NASCAR track in the Northwest uh, affiliated track for, for what we provide. Um, outside of the major NASCAR racetracks. Um, but, you know, for people that, you know, local folks that want to race on this kind of track, we're really the only option here uh, in the Northwest. Right on. Outstanding. All right. We're coming up on the end of our show. And Brian, we do something uh, that's, called, that's called the shout outs. Uh, uh -huh. So uh, I, we're going to do, I'm, I'll, we'll save you for last. Uh, let me start. Let me start with Brian. The Soul Man, Soul Act. Do you have any shout outs this week? I will give a shout out to all the moms out there, especially my wonderful wife, Janine, and my mom who lives in Seattle. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Matt? He, he stole my shout out. I was going to shout out to mom. You have too. your own mother. Why don't you shout out to your own mother? Okay, well, I'll shout out to my own <laughs> as well. You don't have to and, shout and out once to again. Wife. Hype the Aqua Socks, you know, as usual, like as we as we always do. Want to remind everyone, Tuesday is the first game. They're already sold out for the weekend, I believe. But there might be. I think there's still some tickets available for Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, but yeah, everyone, Aqua Socks, everyone, go go go! Right and on. Enjoy, enjoy the program, which all the writing has been provided by the three hosts of this show. 
uh, which are provided there in, uh, at the game. And the Bellingham Bells, sorry to cut in there, but they're coming up too with 30 days. So, And thank you, Brian. I want to thank Brian for introducing me to Stephanie Morrell. So thanks, Brian. Yeah, you're welcome. Brian, your turn. Do you have any shout-outs this, uh, this week? Um, You know, it just, yeah, the moms. You can't forget the moms. You can't <laughs> forget all the, the uh, medical community for what they've done. Um each and every day to get us through this uh, challenging times. And then just the the Rolling Thunder Big Rigs this Saturday, gates at four, racing starts at six. What's the website? Evergreenspeedway.com. Great. And they can buy tickets. People can buy tickets online. and Online, yes. Yeah, yep. That's your best bet to make sure you have a ticket just in case we do come up against our capacity. Great. And yeah, I'd like to thank you, Brian, for being on the show tonight. I'd like to thank my co-host, Matt Page, and the soul man, Brian Solak, who just came back from his wonderful trip in Hawaii, where, you know, undoubtedly... He I set, think he was whole Walla Walla. He probably wasn't Walla Walla. <laughs> probably just a big lie. Um, but, <laughs> but like, thank everybody on the show. Like, thank all of you guys out there for listening. Oh, my shout out. Yeah, Neil Innes, uh, Monty Python, just passed away. Um, uh-huh. you know, big, big bummer there. Um, and, uh, shout Pretty out to, high. shout out to that pitcher, uh, means who was very mean to our Seattle Mariners and pitched almost a perfect game. Um, still a great accomplishment in its own right. Check out all of our great articles here at seattlesportsunion.com as well. Check us out on Facebook. Like us. In fact, we're likable, I think, and go ahead and like uh, check out all our great tweets at Seattle sports. You will see you guys next time. <laughs>